it is difficult to see when when there are injustices, and I have felt somewhat, uh, not to any degree in comparison to what uh, I'm sure many have felt here in the United States, but having lived in a foreign country, I do understand, you know, some of, of how that feels to be the minority and the outside and to be looked at differently and to have expectations put on me uh, that aren't justified and all those kind of things. I understand that. And, and, and I was just, you know, this week I've just been praying, praying for our nation, praying for healing, praying for the church, praying for the body of Christ to, to be the light in this dark hour. And, and I appreciate uh, this week hearing hearing Mark Williams out of North Cleveland, and, and he preached a message on, Am I my brother's keeper? And so many times uh, we lose sight of that, that we are to love those around us, and we are to care for those around us. God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, and so there's a sense of caring for our brother and sisters that are around us. Amen? And, and, and when you think of the fact that Jesus left the 99 to go reach the one, you know, he was reaching out to the one who was troubled, the one who was uh, broken, the one who had lost, that was lost and left out. He reached out to those people. And I'm so glad that he left the 99 and found me, aren't you? And, and I believe that we grasp a hold of that and we understand that. I mean, we can look at the parable of the lost coin and, and see how they search through. We can look at the parable of the lost son, and we call them the prodigal son, and we see how the Lord, um, how, how gracious the Father is to us, to not uh, throw us or cast us away, but to invite us into His presence, even when we have been broken, even when we have been lost and out of touch. Come on. Amen. When we think of it, the reality is, is love is the greatest gift. How many would agree with that? Love is the greatest gift. I mean, when you understand that the, the Word of God, Jesus tells us that all the, the prophets, all the prophets and all the law, everything in the Old Testament hangs on two specific laws, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. We understand that the greatest gift that Jesus ever gave us was love, for no greater love than this and a man lay down his life for his friends. We understand love is that greatest gift. So. So in that, in that understanding that love is the greatest gift, we also understand that the love is the greatest weapon. Because when we, when we begin to show love in the midst of chaos, when we begin to extend love to those who are broken, who may have treated us wrongly, when we return good for evil, it changes the atmosphere of, of our present situation, and it begins to allow us to see something different. It begins those who might have been broken to see something different. So love is the greatest weapon and the greatest calling then, if we look at that, the greatest calling is love. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you're my follower, you will love one another, right? This is how you'll know that you're my disciples, that you have great love for one another. It's a, it's a calling of God. So therefore, if it is a calling of God, then then, then we need to understand it as a responsibility that God has given us to love one another. And, and, and when we say love one another, it's not just love those that look like us, act like us, and are able to uh, walk in the customs and culture that we walk in, because it's not just love friends and family, but it's also love foes. Amen? Amen. So when I see this, recognize that, that 
when we look at the atmosphere that we're in in the present situation in our world, we have to recognize that we're in a battle. Right? We're in a fight. This feels almost awfully close to Marvel and Venus. that we're in a battle. And so if we recognize that we're in a battle, then we also need to understand Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Says, it's a final word. It says, be strong in the Lord and in, and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the, all the strategies of the devil. How many know that he's strategizing against us? How many know he wants to silence the voice of the body of Christ? How many understand that his role, his duty uh, because of his jealousy and because of his anger is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we need to understand the strategies of the enemy. He wants to divide and to conquer. He wants to get us alone so that we're apart, away from the 100, so, so that we're lost and broken and feeling alone. And, and in that context is when he's trying to attack us and create in us an, a fear of being alone, a fear and an anxiety that we are, that nobody cares and nobody loves us. And yet Jesus says, I will leave the 99 and I will go out and I will search for the one because the one is just as important than the 99. So put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Boy, if we could grasp a hold of that. Because when that person across the counter spews something at us and causes the, the triggers of our emotions to rise and the blood pressure to go up and, and we get frustrated and we want to lash out because of their, of their words that might have bitten us, we have to realize that our response will determine our future. And it could determine the future of that person. Woo, Lord Jesus, help us. And so I have to understand that I'm not battling against flesh and blood enemies. This is a spiritual battle. The Bible goes on and says, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. Come on. I mean, the thing is, is that I think we get into this la-la, euphoric land to think that, whoa, I'm a Christian, so everything's easy, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against mighty Powers. Don't discount that the enemy doesn't have mighty powers because there is a powerful enemy who wants to destroy the body of Christ. Now, we understand that if we walk in Christ Jesus, we are victorious. We understand that if we walk under the authority and the blood of Christ Jesus, that we uh, have authority over the enemy. But let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but there are moments of weakness. There are moments when I'm struggling. There's moments.
times when, when fear might try to grip my soul and I have to turn my eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. It is only then that the things of this world will grow strangely dim when I'm looking at his presence and in his face. Verse 18 of that same chapter in Ephesians chapter 6 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on all on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all the believers everywhere. Everywhere. We need to keep our focus. We need to keep our understanding that we are on the same team. Amen? There are brothers and sisters. When I look drive around this community, I see churches just about on every corner, and we need to realize that we are on the same team. There's a world dying. There's a world that is lost. There's people sitting at home today that, that do not know Jesus Christ or have lost their way along the way, and we are together on a team to win the lost, and, and Jesus Christ is the King of glory. He's the King of Baptists. He's the, the King of, of Pentecost. He's the King of, of other churches. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. It, when we get to heaven, it's not going to say church of God only. It's going to say, whosoever will believe on the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. It is Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only truth. And we need to depend on him. Jesus. And so when we understand that we are in a spiritual warfare, and our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus are fighting the same battle that we are, it doesn't matter if they're red or yellow, black and white. It doesn't matter. What, what matters is, is that the, when we get to the kingdom of heaven, there's not going to be a color that we're looking for. It's going to be a heart that we're looking for. Do they trust Jesus? And the only way to enter into the, into the kingdom of glory is if they've truly trusted in Christ Jesus. Amen. Woo, Jesus. So... Can we truly prepare ourselves for the spiritual battle that we're facing? How can we take the fleshly buying blinders off? How can we take the cultural blinders that we have been raised in? How, how do we truly grasp the understanding of who we really are? And be transformed by the presence of God. How does that happen? Well, I find it in Romans chapter 12. Starting with verse 1. And I love the way, and I'm going to be going back into the New American Standard Bible in just a moment. But I love the way that, that J.B. Phillips puts verse 1 and 2. And, and I know that I probably won't do as good as a job as uh, Jim Blodgett in his teaching of Romans. If you've been missing that, it's... We've been uploading that. What a great study of Romans that he's been putting together. And I hope that you have been able to, uh, to dig into that word with him. Good stuff. But it says it this way. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is for you, that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demand, 
has been moved toward the goal of true maturity. Man, I love the way he put that. I urge you, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. When I think of that word urge, I'm reminded that it is the word parakletos. And so, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being the comfort, the parakletos coming alongside of us, this word, what, what, what Paul's saying is that I'm coming alongside you to encourage you. I urge you. I come alongside of you to comfort you, to, to encourage or to get on to you, if you will. Somebody needs a little getting on to, right? Somebody needs a little exhortation. I know the exhortation is not always some fluffy words, right? My daddy used to exhort me when he came into the room with a bell. I've told you, boy, once, I've told you twice, three times, get out there and mow that grass. That was an exhortation. None of y'all have ever been exhorted in those matters, I guess. But he's saying, I'm coming alongside you to exhort you, to comfort you, to give you a word that will help you understand the necessity of what God's saying to you. And he says, I exhort you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, I I need you to understand that this is a pattern that Paul uses when he comes and he he gives this profound word and, and then he follows it with, this is how that looks. Aren't you glad he gives an explanation? Paul sometimes can be hard to understand but I love the flow of this passage scripture because I believe that the greatest necessity in the body of Christ is to understand that we are one in Christ we're on the same team we're of one body right amen so by the mercies of God when I think about that it reminds me that that everything we do is because of the mercies that God has given us, right? You can look at Romans chapter 1 through 11 and you can see all that God has given us. Even while we were yet in sin, according to Romans chapter 5, Christ died for us. There's a whole lot of mercy, a whole lot of love, and a whole lot of grace that God's given us to get to this place. So by the mercies of God, we're not, we're not offering ourselves to work for God in our own abilities, but by His mercy, He makes it possible for us, right? See, the mentality of the world is, is really to, to work in order to receive mercy. Right? i got to look good so the boss will give me the raise. Right? So we, we try to make ourselves look good so that others will recognize and maybe we will find favor because of what we've done. Right? But in this context... It is because of the mercies of God that gives us the very basis of ability to be able to fulfill the work that God's given us to do. Amen. Amen. So the mercies of God. When I think of the mercies of God and I look through Romans, I see that we're just there's justification for the guilty and, and the penalty of sin. There's adoption in Jesus that, and identification with Christ. Place, we're placed under the grace of God and not the law. We're given the Holy Spirit to live within us 
to empower us and equip us. We have a promise of help in all the times of affliction. We are, have assurance of standing in God's presence. We have assurance and confidence of the coming glory of God. We have confidence that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Come on, somebody. We have confidence that God's continually faithful to those who believe and trust in Him. Amen. And in the light of this mercy, past, present, and future, Paul begs us, present your body a living sacrifice unto God. So we believe that the divine mercy is a persuasive power over the will of mankind to present our bodies. It's connected with the idea of a living sacrifice. That doesn't sound, that sounds weird, doesn't it? A living sacrifice. And I really believe that it's it's kind of the idea of a priestly service. It's the idea of what the priest would do. Spiritually speaking, our bodies brought to the altar of God. Now, when you think of a body, we're not just bringing the flesh. How many know that sometimes we just want, well, I just wish we could crucify this flesh. But what is exists within this body is the mind and the soul, right? And so when we present our bodies a living sacrifice, we're bringing every ounce of who we are and we're laying it on the altar. The Bible says all things become new. Not just your, not just your bad stuff is going to transform more. All things become new, right? And we present it all to Him. We put it all on the altar of God because it, it, if you present your bodies and you don't present, and you're just presenting the work that you do, you can do all kinds of work for God but not present yourself. God. There's a whole lot of people who do good things, right? There's a whole lot of organizations that are religious, that are that have lost track of God. They're adding other books to their book. Come on. And and they but yet they're going around doing good things. They're deceptive in their mentality and they don't follow the true word of God. There's other prophets that they listen to instead of the prophets of God. And so there's people who do good works. But you can do good works without presenting yourself to God to be transformed by His presence. So the Bible says that our will must bring our, the body as a living sacrifice to God. The body is a wonderful servant, but is a terrible master. Because if I was doing everything my flesh would tell me to do, guess what? I wouldn't be in a pulpit. Because the flesh unsubmitted to God will lead us in a long straying way. Amen. So when we see this word, beseech you, brothers, to present your body living sacrifice. Paul had the understanding in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 20 that our bodies were bought with a price. Sacrifice of Christ Jesus. A living sacrifice. We'll move on down. Holy, acceptable unto God. Present your bodies holy and acceptable. When I think about holy and acceptable, one, we have to understand that we're a living sacrifice. We we come to the altar alive. We're not uh, slain before we get there. We come to the altar alive, but a living sacrifice not only comes to the altar alive, but it, it 
walks away from that offer continuing in a life of sacrifice, a, a, a life of death. That's why Paul, the apostle says in Romans chapter 6, 11, I consider myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says in Galatians chapter 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, right? So we understand that we walk away as a living sacrifice. We might be alive, but we're only alive because of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. a burnt offering sacrifice. I mean, look, any other offering was offerings that were were then put on the altar and they were divided up and shared with the priests for meals and all that kind of thing. But the burnt offering was a consumption offering. It was an offering that was brought with everything. Every bit of it was put on the altar. It was burned, gone. Right? So, for us to truly put our bring ourselves to a decision to say, Lord, I present myself a living sacrifice. It's a decision to say, Lord, I come to you to walk in holiness. Lord, I come to you to walk in your perfect will. And it is then that God is able to take our sacrifice and burn off the slough that has so easily entangled us. And it is Him that presents us as a full, pure, holy, righteous offering before the Father. It is not us, but when we surrender ourselves to the altar of God, He then takes care of everything. Love the old testimony. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and fire. Come on, somebody. Amen? There's a whole lot of people that have missed the fire. They've missed allowing God to burn up the old man and say, I don't want that anymore. I'm walking a new life. Amen. And in doing so, we, we walk in the reasonable service, the worship of God. We truly walk according. The word reasonable literally means of the word. We begin following after the living, breathing word of God. And that is our worship. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable or well-pleasing and perfect. Don't be conformed. Another version says, do not copy the pattern and customs of this world. Another version says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. There's a warning here of not allowing yourself to be molded into popular culture or the manner of thinking of rebellion against God. Come on. Because when we get into that mindset, it will try to conform us to ungodly patterns. It will try to conform us into processes that resist the presence and power and anointing of God that transforms us. But I will say transversely that on the other side of that, there's too many times that we push so hard against that we become the extreme opposite side. And, and, and we do not trust God, but we, in our own religious and relig religious mindset, we begin to fight against things and we become disobedient than the original. Be 
transformed. He's transformed. Now this is this is the opposite of being conformed to the world. And how many understand that the battleground of conformity or transformity is in the mind? We're fighting a battle. And, and so therefore, as Christians, we need to think differently. The only, the only way we will be able to overcome is when our mind has been changed and transformed by the power of God. I don't want to be conformed to this world, right? I mean, how many of you have said, I don't want to be, I don't want to be conformed to this world. I don't want to at the end of my life to say, oh, he, he had riches untold and everything was beautiful and he just did everything the world did. How many of y'all want to give me some riches? I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to walk in the hate and animosity and, and the, the piousness and the pride of this world. How do, how do I not do that? The Bible says, by the renewing of your mind. The problem with so many Christians is their life is based on their feelings. Their life is based on their feelings. It's based on you know, the only concern about what I'm doing. But I don't feel like getting up this morning. How do you feel today? How do I... How do I feel about my job? How do I feel about my wife? How do I feel about my worship? How do I feel about the preacher? Don't answer that. I mean, their whole mindset, their whole idea, this life is lived by feelings. And whether I feel good or feel bad determines how our relationship with God is. And oh my Lord, this life by feelings will never know the transforming power of God because it ignores the renewing of our mind. On the other side of that is stop doing. Don't give me your theology. Just tell me what to do. Give me my four points and my seven keys to how to do it and I'll be fine. This life of doing will never know the transforming power of a God because it ignores Don't rattle like you used to roll. My broke dance, my break dancing turned into a broke dance. Don't work like you used to. God's never against our feelings. He's never against our doing. And when you think about, when you think about God, I mean, He is. A God of powerful, passionate feelings. He's a God who has commanded. He says that He's created us unto good works. We understand both of those. We grasp the whole of those. Yet feelings and doing are completely insufficient foundations for the Christian life. What we really need to know is what is the truth. 
What is the basis by why we feel and why we do? What is God saying? What is the word of God for this specific time? What is the word of God for this specific uh, situation? Because if I base myself on my feelings or if I base myself on my actions, it might not be true. But if I am truly dependent on the word of God to define who I am and what my situation is, then everything else will fall into line to the presence and power of God. follow, help us to truly be transformed. The word transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho. We hear the word metamorphic. And so it's describing a a transformation. We see in Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, the same word at the transfiguration of Jesus when he was transformed in front of those disciples. It was a transformation. Another place where this word is found, it's only found three times, and the Apostle Paul spoke this word. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. People, I want to be transformed. Steve, I want to be transformed by the power of God. For Paul, the transformation and renewing of the mind takes place when we behold the face of God and when we spend time in the presence of God. Look, you'll never know the truth of God's plan if you don't spend time communicating with the Master. Amen? I mean, I love, I love watching the service in Lynchburg, Virginia. Goodness, thank you for not Lynchburg, Virginia. Service on Main Street. Instead of protesting, it was it was blacks and whites coming together, singing praise and worship songs together. It became a worship time. And transformative because we understand that it's not about black or white or yellow or red or green. It's about do we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we walk in Him, it transforms us. It transforms us. God, help us be transformed. God, help us to recognize what that looks like. So we need to keep in mind the mercy, the rich mercy of God, past, present, and future. We need to act in uh, we an act of intelligent worship, deciding to yield your entire self to, to the presence and power of God. We need to resist the conformity to the thoughts and actions of the world. We need to focus on God's Word and fellowship with Him. And then your life will be in the will of God. Come on. Verse 3, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I think that 
that's where we, we get off track. We get a spiritual paralysis about it. Because maybe we've walked this, uh, this life so long that we feel like we can, well, I just trust the Lord. He's got me. And, and, and yet, at the same time, I, I, I'm not denying that fact, but I'm also recognizing who I am and my necessity for Jesus. Because guess what? Everybody needs Jesus. And I know that I've seen the post, the world needs Jesus, and I'm saying, amen. But guess what? I need Jesus too. Because the world, yes, they need a salvific message of God to transform their life, but I need Jesus to continue walking out the salvation that He has put in me. So we should remember that the spiritual giftedness is not equal to spiritual maturity. Just because someone's been given a spiritual gift doesn't mean they're mature in Christ. Somebody might come up to you and they may prophesy. And guess what? They might be spot on. It might be exactly the Word of God. Then they go out and they do something stupid. You're saying, what in the world? Everyone's been given an allotted gift. Everyone's been given an allotted faith, a measure of faith, right? And we walk out that measure of faith and, and, and we are expected not just to give the drop of faith that we've been given, and that's all we get, but we are to grow in faith, grow in relationship with God. And so therefore, just because someone has been given a spiritual gift, and you've got to understand this, it is a gift. It's not something they've merited. It's not something that they have just asked for. It's not something that they deserve. But God, in His Faithful wisdom has given a gift. In other words, it's something that we can receive from God. And everyone has been given a gift from God. And just because you've been given a gift doesn't make you spiritually mature or, or God's you know, greatest gift to mankind. It just means that you have more responsibility in the kingdom of God. And you need to grow in that responsibility and grow in that grace and grow in that relationship so that He can begin to hone and shape you and mold you into the image in which He has created you to be, uh, to present. Amen. Don't shout as much today, come on. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm not preaching two services today. I might not be able to. the idea that, that we should see truth about ourselves, understand where we are. Too many times we, Andrea said, you still say it, Pastor. You know, the word, it says, through the grace given to me. Another, another translation, the, the New Living Translation says, says, because of the privilege and authority. I love that because I think that so many times we've been, if, we, if we've been raised in a family that has been able to experience privilege and power, that we often have a hard time recognizing the inability for others to have the same privilege and power. Because we equate it to, if they, if they just work hard, they could get the same things I did. 
they might not have the same opportunity that you have. And so therefore, because they don't have the same opportunity, they can't consider, be considered the same privilege or power. They might go into a job interview and, and, and be looked at and say, well, no, they, you know, they, don't, they don't qualify. It could, be, it could be religion. Come on. How many, how many Christians are being denied positions today because of their outspoken faith? It could be skin color. It could be cultural differences. All those factors can weigh on decisions. And, and we need to be careful not to think more highly of ourselves because we've been privileged to receive a position because of the favor that we would say, the favor of God. But in reality, a lot of it's because of the favor of man, the privilege and power and the opportunity that we've been given. So therefore, to remain humble before God when we, when we consider who we are and recognize that every one of us has been given a gift of God. And without the gift of God, where would we be? Nothing. For the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. In other words, everything that we produce without God is worthless. Paul said in all of his religious activity that it accounts for nothing but dung. It's only as we are sensitive to the presence and power of God and submitted to His will that we become the transformative power of God in our community that reaches across denominational lines, that reaches across cultural lines, that reaches across racial lines and says, we are the body of Christ and we will make a difference because when I get to heaven, I'm going to worship the King. Amen. I guess I better close break it up real quick. I've got five more pages to go. Come on. Romans chapter 4 or 5 and 6. Verse 4 or 5. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. You need to underline that. They do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. How many Kathy's are there in here? Come on, Kathy, stand. We're missing a few Kathy's. Listen, Kathy Lowe's, if you're watching this at home, you can stand right where you are. We're missing Kathleen Warren as well. Put your notes. Kathy Hollers as well watching, you better watch, girl. I love Kathy. Me and her argue like brother and sister. Y'all hope y'all know that. There's, there's no no animosity. But just because every one of them's named Kathy doesn't mean they think the same way. Doesn't mean they have to act the same way. Doesn't mean they have to dress the same way. They're different. brother named Tim. He's back there hiding. Always jealous of him. I 
supposed to run, right? Imagine that in your mind. You can imagine a lot of things. But you know, I recognize, Josh, that we might be different cultural backgrounds. We might have different upbringings. In my home, I haven't had the privilege of talking to you in depth about how that looks for you. In my home, this is what my parents said. They were scared about it. I can understand that. My parents said, if you go to college, we offered every one of us, if you go to college, we'll pay for it. That might be more privileged than a lot of folks in my own race. That's privilege. That doesn't make those who didn't have any lower, any less status, any any less intelligent. Because if we truly believe that we're all created equal according to the Word of God, then we need to be able to embrace even when the culture is different from our culture. We need to be able to acknowledge that the gifting that God has talented him with can break and chain like a bird. the gospel of God. You're on the same team. You know what I would love to do? Trey, can you help me with this? You and Kat. I would love to partner with a brother sister church that is African American. love you to bring a, a praise team, a choreographed dance team, and, and bring me a preacher and a half. All right? And let's do a combined service. Now look, here's what we're going to do. Now, what, I don't know if they would be willing to do this, but I'm willing to cancel a service of ours to go join them one Sunday. And I want them to come and join us. I just believe because it has been stated that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour. I just believe God wants to tear down the segregation and build us up. It's time, folks. It's time to join together. To be a part of Team God's kingdom purpose. Thank you, Scott. I'm looking forward to what God has in store for this church. I believe that as we begin to truly submit ourselves to God, and I realize that that symbolism, I realize that. What has to take place is truly submitting our hearts to God. 
break down the animosity that's going on. I, like I said, I really do. I had a whole lot of things to say in there, but the Bible says at the very end of that, it talks about loving those who hate you. And it says, in so doing, it's heaping coals of fire on their head. Now, we might think of, of that in a negative sense. We're just, we're putting them in their place. But when you think about it, it's almost as if we're turning, when we show kindness to those who do not show kindness back, What's happening is, is we are putting a burning conviction in their heart. I remember my mom and dad, if you're watching, I love you. Man, they used to fight like cats and dogs. I remember my daddy getting in the car one day, slamming the door. My mom ran and jumped on the hood of the car. You're not going anywhere. If it wasn't a good fight, it wasn't happening. He's probably saying, why did you remember those things? They were etched into my brain. But I remember one specific day, my dad, my mom was, you know, they were, they were getting into it. And my dad just stopped. And he wouldn't fight back. He wouldn't say anything. Boy. If that didn't make mom even madder. And I'm not sure if it was because she just wanted a good fight or just because it made her feel bad. And the thing is, is that if you'll just stop, somebody might just be having a bad day. It could be that something happened and two clients back came in and just blows this person out and you just happen to be the one that they regurgitated on. And if we can just stop and say, you know what? Talk to me. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what you, what, what's bothering you. I don't know what hurts you today. But I'm here to show the love of Jesus. I'm here to present some kindness to you. It just might be that it puts a burning conviction in them to say, you know what, I am wrong. It just might be that your enemy becomes your friend because you have shown the love of Jesus to them. May God transform us to be in His image. And when He hung on the cross, He didn't do it for one nationality or one race. Did it for whosoever will. And the Bible tells me that that when we get to heaven, every knee shall bow. <laughs> every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Let's be kingdom builders today. Let's be those who transform society today. Let's cross the barriers of denominations 
to cross the barriers of culture and race and language and say we love you because Christ died for you just as he died for me. And everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. I want you to put in your mind right now one person that you can call today and say, you know what? I love you. I'm here to help you. Somebody that may have felt pushed aside. Somebody who may feel like they're not loved or unworthy. Would you put them in your mind today? And say, you know what? I want to call you today. And I just want to share the love of Jesus with you. I just want to share with you I care about your situation. And I value you as a person. And I want to be your friend. Would you do that? In this room right now, there's people who might have felt like they've been pushed aside. They might have felt like they've been outcast. Because of their brokenness, nobody loves them any longer. And they feel that way. I want you to know this morning that if you'll truly surrender to God, God can transform you. I'm looking for a church that is more interested in worshiping God, discipling people, and reaching the mission field that's in their back door. Amen? Amen. Look, I could care less about the color of the carpet. I could care less if it was wooden benches or padded pews or the beautiful chairs. That doesn't mean one ounce to me. What matters is are people being healed, delivered, saved, transformed by the power of God. Because if those things are happening, all the other will fall into place. I love what Brian put together for our children. We need to know God. Right? We need to grow in God. We need to show in His kingdom. And we need to show His love to others. Right? I believe as a church that we could adapt that we need to know, grow, and show. Because when we know God and we're growing in God, we will show God to the world. Amen? And therefore, by doing that, we let everybody know that everybody needs Jesus. Amen? Father, I thank you, God, that you have called us to demonstrate the greatest love in which we have received to a world who feels unloved and broken. God, help us to recognize who we are and understanding that without you, we are nothing. But Lord, just as you have poured into us your favor, the favor of man, God, help us to pour it favor into others and let them see the demonstration of your spirit's love flowing through us, changing the environment of the world. God, equip us through your word. May we walk as disciples, making disciples. May the light of your Holy Spirit shine through us that we might be light of the world and salt of the earth. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name.
I love you guys so much. Thank you for getting back in. Those of you who are traveling, I'm jealous. I mean, uh, y'all have a blessed time and enjoy. We're going to have communion right now, so don't run out. Quickly, 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 ushers, if you will come. While they're coming forward.